episode so glenn we're going to have a continuation of last week's conversation where we we're talking about the differences between uh partnerships and, and llcs and s corps and all this other stuff so um yeah. why don't you go ahead and just kick off and take off from where we we're, were at last time so this is a pretty pretty complex issue but we wanted to you know touch some of the highlights so we mainly were comparing an s corporation versus a partnership um and that's really a partnership is is really the tax entity that, that we talked about. There were some favorable favorable things last time. Now that a lot of times is an LLC or a limited liability company that's taxed as a partnership. So um, so unfortunately, just being an LLC doesn't mean we know exactly what you can be an LLC. We mentioned this last time and be taxed as an S corp, or you can be an LLC and be taxed as a partnership, but. Most of the times, an LLC is going to be taxed as a partnership. So we're going to continue to compare an S corporation versus a partnership. Um, if you remember last time, um, I know the audience will perfectly remember this, you know, but uh, we talked about a couple of the problems with an S corp is that um, basically they're easy to get into, but they're hard to get out of. So if I if I liquidate my S corporation and we don't cash out, but we just kind of break up, we go our own ways triggers a gain at the corporate level, even though you actually really haven't turned into cash. That's a problem of an S-Corp. There's also a problem if, if I'm looking for other investors to come into my business and I want to sell them part of the business, they don't get to depreciate the purchase price, if you remember that, Casey, So because they're buying the stock. Right. The last point, which I didn't bring up uh, last time, was you know, uh, if, if somebody owns an S-Corp you know, when they die, okay, you, you get a step up in basis in the asset, generally speaking, you know, so the idea is, Hey, if I sell that asset later, my heirs sell it really. Cause I'm dead. I guess you got to remember that in this scenario. So if my heirs sell it later, they don't have a gain or loss because it's been stepped up at date of death. Well, the tricky thing is on an S corporation is yes, you get a step up in basis in the stock, right? Your heirs would, would own that stock. They get a step up in basis, but let's say it owned, you know, farmland, this S corporation, and the person dies, and later on you say, okay, yeah, we're going to now sell some of this land that the S-Corp had, right? So, so basically it's like your dad owned 100% of the S-Corp. He dies. The land gets a step up in basis through the stock. But if I take the track of land and I say, I'm going to sell this one track of land now, I shouldn't have any gain or loss, you know, because I got a step up in basis. Casey, it's not going to work because actually you did not get a step up in basis in the underlying assets you got to step up a basis in the stock. So you would actually have a trigger gain if you just sold one asset out of that S-Corp. So if you remember last time we talked about an S-Corp really like encourages you to like totally liquidate and get out like all in one shot. If you start piecing off certain pieces of equipment, certain tracts of land, it, it's not as simple as you might think. So we were pretty, pretty negative on S-Corps really the last time that we talked, mainly for those reasons. What we wanted to do today was talk about, so you might think, hey, partnerships are for clearly the, the vehicle. We want to talk more about partnerships and a negative on partnerships that relates to self-employment tax mainly. Okay, so that's going to start it off. Okay. All right, so, of course, 
it's not even as simple as there's a partnership. There's basically something called a general partnership or something called a limited partnership. Now, a general partnership pretty much means that I'm not an attorney, but, um, you know, you've got kind of unlimited liability. A general partnership is very close to kind of being your own sole proprietor. So if, if I own a general partnership interest, the income that that generates is going to be 100% subject to self-employment tax. Okay, that's that payroll tax. Sometimes we call it, but it's, you know, it's depending on how you calculate it, it's around 15% of extra extra layer of tax. You know, it's a Social Security, it's Medicare, payroll taxes. So if I own a general partnership interest, the income that I receive is going to be on like a Form K-1. It's going to be subject to self-employment tax. Okay, just like if I had a Schedule F, I'm a farmer, all that income on my Schedule F is subject to self-employment tax. Now, if I'm a limited partner, or I'm more of a passive investor, right? I'm not on the hook. Um, the, a limited partnership interest, it's very clear that it's not subject to self-employment tax, okay? So we have this general partnership versus limited partnership. Well, the problem, Casey, is a limited liability company, which is what most of the partnerships we see nowadays, basically they, those are a relatively new thing in the tax code at least. The tax code hasn't really addressed a limited liability company. So we really don't have extreme clarity on does a limited liability company's income, is it going to be subject to self-employment tax or is it not? Because it, there are some similarities to a general partnership for certain types of limited liability companies, and there's some similarities to a limited partnership. So the big negative on a partnership generally is, hey, I'm, all the income might be subject to self-employment tax, which you know could obviously be a problem. Um, there's a couple ways around it. I'm not going to get a whole lot of detail, but there are ways if you have set up kind of dual classes. So I have a, a certain class of membership in my LLC that's the manager class. They're the people that are actually running the business. And then I have a second class, we'll call it the class B, where there's a, a non-active owner in that mix. It could even be a non-active spouse that they can actually exempt um, most of the LLC from self-employment tax, and you can get very similar treatment for for being an LLC as an S-Corp. So you'll hear a lot that self-employment tax is a concern on an LLC, and it is typically for like a service partnership if you're doing, you know, legal accounting work, that type of thing. It's all going to be subject to self-employment tax. But there are some ways to structure an LLC to maybe be able to, to get around paying self-employment tax on all the income. Now, you still have to pay yourself a reasonable wage, um, as an owner of an S-Corp, right, you can't just not pay yourself anything. Um, so you either pay yourself a wage as an S-Corp, or if you're an ownership, if you have an ownership and a partnership, you pay yourself what's called a guaranteed payment. And you have to pay self-employment tax on that. You know, that's that should be what you're really, the, you know, how much you're really worth, right? What services am I rendering? I've got to pay myself fair compensation for that. That's going to be subject to Social Security, you know, this, the, the payroll taxes. But we're talking about the remaining income. We would like that not to be subject to self-employment tax. And so there are some ways to structure that. So anyway, this self-employment tax can be an issue if I'm an LLC owner. But there are some ways that it does get more complicated to structure it uh, to, to end up only having to pay self-employment tax or payroll tax on kind of the reasonable wages that I should be taking out of the business or guaranteed payments. So that's, that's a consideration. Now, with tax reform... Um, Partnerships, they're both an S corporation's wages that I pay to an owner and, you know, the partnership guaranteed payments that I would pay to, to an owner. Both of those are not eligible for this 20% deduction. You might remember the, you know, the, 
20% pass-through deduction, it's called, or the 199 cap A, the, just the regular 199A. So your wages or guaranteed payments aren't eligible for this 20% deduction, but the remaining pass-through income that's left, you know, the profit after paying myself, is eligible for the 199A. So in that sense, both the partnership and an S-Corp are the same. One of the downsides of a partnership, again, trying to give a balanced viewpoint here is, this just this rule just came out, you know, since December. We're hoping to get some guidance on this point. Is that you might remember this that if I make this is rough, but if I make a hundred thousand dollars, you know, after paying myself a salary, I can potentially get a twenty thousand dollar deduction, right? That's twenty percent of a hundred thousand. Well, if I'm over certain income levels, I've actually got to have wages equal to forty thousand dollars. Um, it gets kind of complicated. So my initial calculation is twenty percent of a hundred thousand or twenty grand. But, I, but, but that, if, if my wages aren't very much, I need that 50% of my wages. So I've got to have at least 40000 of wages paid, 40000 times 50%, to, to still get my $20,000 deduction. And it gets complicated. It's, it's only for certain income levels. But suffice it to say, and there are other rules about maybe I only need to do a 2.5% of my investment and my assets. But just to keep this simple, you generally need to have wages in order to get this deduction in certain circumstances. And now my S-Corp wages that I pay myself as an owner do count as wages for purposes of that limits, which is a good thing. But my partnership guaranteed payments that I pay myself as an owner, for some reason, do not count as wages. So there's the potential that if I've got my partnership set up and I'm not paying any wages to anybody else, but I'm paying myself a wage through guaranteed payments that I wouldn't get this 199A deduction. So... The tables have turned just a little bit more towards an S corporation because of some of these uh, new, new tax reform rules. But again, we're hoping to get guidance on this case by the end of the month to maybe clarify this point because it seems it seems unfair that you know in one circumstance paying wages to myself it's subject to payroll taxes right if I pay wages you know I'm paying into Social Security either way whether I pay myself a wage or whether I pay myself a guaranteed payment. So that's that's one thing that could turn the tables to a little bit towards an S corp. Okay. All right. So I got some questions for you, Casey. And I got some I answers, got Glenn. Some I'm ready. ready. <clears throat> okay. So this is just going to, so we talked about the self-employment tax. Now we're just going to go back to just comparing an S-Corp and, a, and an LLC or a partnership. And here's just, you get very different answers. So let's say, Casey, we say, hey, we're going to set up a farm equipment partnership and you've got $200,000 of equipment to contribute, and I've got $200,000 of equipment to contribute. And so we're going to be 50-50, right? Because mm -hmm. we're providing equal value. So there's no question this equipment has been appraised you know, properly. It's definitely worth two hundred grand each. So that's not the issue. The difference is you've taken depreciation of $200,000 on your, your equipment. So you've got no basis left, whereas I have not taken any depreciation. Maybe I just bought this. So I've got $200,000 of basis left, okay? So we're providing equal value, but from a tax perspective, there's a difference, right? Right. You've taken depreciation, I'm not. So my first question is, let's say down the road, you know, it doesn't have to be too long, you know, a few weeks later, five weeks later, we sell, let's say it's a tractor, we sell your tractor, but it's in the partnership now, right? So the partnership sells the tractor that you contributed for $200,000, okay? That's going to generate a $200,000 gain, right? Because we had no basis in it. Right. It's going to generate a $200,000 gain. How does that gain get allocated between the two of us if we're in a S-Corp or if we're in a partnership? 
I'm going to let you just answer one because you, you can be right on either one. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I would think logically just based on the fact that we're 50-50 partners that I'd be liable for 100000 and my partner would be for a, liable for 100000 Yep, and that would be the rule if it's actually an S-corporation. Okay. S-corporation is simpler. I will grant you that. There's less complications. So an S-corporation would be 50-50. In a partnership, you actually would get a hit with all the gain. Because in theory, you took the depreciation already, right? I'm just, all I'm doing is hitting you with a recapture of that depreciation. Why should I have to pay tax on your gain? I put in a $200,000 tractor that had 200000 of basis. Why should I get hit with a $100,000 gain? Uh, That's the theory. Yeah. So a partnership is very fair, the tax code, is, but but it's with that fairness comes complication. You really have to, you know, look at the specifics of the of the situation. But that's a very big difference, right? Obviously, is that um, is that why they say a partnership is the only ship that won't sail? Is that is that where it comes in there? <laughs> it could be, yeah. It's but I mean, if you think about it, it really is pretty fair, right? Because yeah. you took the depreciation, you've saved. You've wrote off two hundred grand against some other income, so it should all recapture back to you. So, right. um, that makes so, sense. so, so again, I, I, so if I invest in an S corporation and I know there's this unrealized gain in some of the assets, I could be buying into getting a, a gain. Now later on, Casey, if I have to pick up a hundred thousand dollar gain, eventually I will get that. Uh, I'll be able to write off that hundred grand later on against something else, like when I would eventually sell my interest. Uh-huh. But in the immediate. Um, you know, if I'm an escort, I'm going to get hit with half that gain, even though it really wasn't. I didn't bring that taint to the table, right? So, okay. So I got a question. And so, uh, inversely, since my tractor has two hundred thousand dollars worth of basis and I haven't depreciated it yet, yep. and I do section one seventy nine and I fully depreciate it for two hundred thousand bucks, I get the two hundred thousand dollar benefit, uh, tax benefit, and not the partnership. You're talking about because I was I had the scenario where you you put up the tractor and had no basis. Right now, now so, what if you put up the tractor and it had full basis? Well, no, right? just in the same scenario, you sold yours and it was fully depreciated out, so you had a two hundred thousand dollar liability, right? Mm-hmm. And then my tractor hasn't depreciated yet, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take that the section one seventy nine in the twenty eighteen tax yeah. year physical tax year. So I would get me I would since I I would get the one seventy nine benefit and not the partnership, right? Am I understanding that correctly? Um, if, if it hasn't been contributed to the partnership, yes, okay. yet, correct. So, but now it's in the partnership before it's appreciated out. So who, how's that work? You know, I think you're, you're, I mean, you're very, you're always very sharp on these cases. This, this was literally going to be my next question was, okay, right. again, let's just keep the facts the same, right? You put right. in a tractor and had no basis, right? 200,000. I put in a tractor with 200,000 full basis. Mm-hmm. Now let's say the depreciation for that year is forty thousand dollars. We're not going to take you know one seventy nine. We're just going to do regular depreciation, okay. forty thousand dollars of depreciation, and we're 50-50 owners. Okay. How much depreciation do you get as the, or how much depreciation do I get as the person that put in a fully basis tractor? Well, I mean, I, if it's in a partnership, you'd think that you'd be splitting that down the line, down the middle. If you're a fifty-fifty now, partner, that's definitely the answer for an escort. There's no question. And if you're just a regular partner, I guess. Your partner gets screwed, and you get and you get to take all the forty percent or the forty thousand. Yeah, it, it generally, I mean, there's you can work it a couple different ways, but but if to be fairest, really, I should get all that depreciation because I have you don't have any depreciation left, right? Because you right. 
So, so if you think about it in both of those terms, that's why you, you're very smart. You know, if the gain gets allocated 100% to you because you have no basis left, if I'm the one that has the basis, then I get all the depreciation potentially. Right. If I'm a buyer, now you've got to have, you know, so if you're ever investing in a partnership and you have either the cash or you're, you're contributing, you know, fully basis equipment, you should make sure that you're getting your fair share of depreciation. Otherwise, if the agreement's not structured right, it may get it, let it fly that you're, you know, some other partner is going to get more depreciation. So those two go hand in hand, right? If I sell it day two and the gain all goes back to you, mm-hmm. or, and the same thing if I depreciate it and it's all my basis that I brought to the table, then I get 100% of the depreciation if, if you structure it that way. There's kind of some hybrid methods, but yeah. the goal is to try to eliminate that discrepancy and get us on an even playing field as quick as possible. So, so basically, yes, the, the part of the S-Corp is just making it is just – Peanut it's butter easy. straight across there. It's 50 50 yep. straight down the middle or 60 40 or whatever it is. Yep. And it's just, that's that, right? Yep. The partnership it, is like just it, a sea of gray, right? It's you, custom, Yeah, it's very customized. It gets very complex. I will admit no. your, your accounting fees are going to go up if you have a partnership just because there's more complexity. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, though, what we see, Casey, on bigger deals is sometimes a certain partner will want losses in the early years, right? So you can have different loss sharing ratios, right? If we lose money, this is how that the percentages work. Yeah. Right. Versus if we make money, the percentage is going to work like a different way. So if you know you've got an investor that, that's putting up the cash and they need the losses better than somebody else, you know, they can utilize them. Then you can work very customized deals on partnerships, but it gets very complicated. Yeah. Uh, Sounds like it. So it's kind of the beauty and the curse of it. Right. And S Corp is just very simple. Just keep it keep it the same. So I mean, is there, uh, no, what's, what's the benefit? I mean, Obviously, it sounds like to me, if you're really, truly going to be partners and that's really, truly how you're going to set things up, then an S-Corp is the way to go. I think, yeah, I go back and forth on this. I think a lot of times, yeah, it makes sense that, hey, if we're 50-50 owners, we should share, you know, in the depreciation 50-50 or the gains on sale 50-50. Sometimes you talk to clients and they totally get it, but other clients are pretty sad and like, hey, that's not fair. You know, if I've got, why should I get hit with a gain if I didn't bring any gain to the table? So, but I think on balance, probably most people think in terms of an escort pay. Just keep it, just keep it simple. If we're fifty percent owners, you know, you're, you get fifty percent of the profits, you get fifty percent of the losses. Just keep it very, very simple. Mm-hmm. But if if you're bringing you know similar things to the end of the partnership or the escort, and there's not any big discrepancies, right? If we both have fully depreciated our tractor, right? If I have fully depreciated my tractor, and you fully depreciated your tractor then you don't need to worry about quite as much of those things. But the, if we're on uneven playing fields, like where one partner's putting up cash, other partner's putting up, you know, sweat equity or, or some some other asset, then a partnership can make more sense, possibly. Yeah, I mean, I think a partnership to me would make sense if you were, for example, uh, you needed an investor, you know, for example, yeah. and you needed like some capital somehow to generate some capital. Yeah. The partnership makes sense because obviously – Yep. The guy's looking for a return and not a bunch of tax liabilities and everything else to go along with that. So. You're exactly right. And that's why they're so much more popular now, Casey, because yeah. the invest, you know, the private equity funds, whatever it might mm-hmm. be, you know, they, they're not going to invest in an S corporation. It's, it's got to be a partnership for them because they know they'll be, you know, they won't get, you know, everything will be really fair from a tax perspective. So that's why there's a lot more partnerships now. Right. That makes, makes yep. sense. Makes good sense. So in your professional opinion, Depending on the situation, it really just depends on the it situation. It really does depend. I mean, yeah. it, again, if you like the simplicity of an S-Corp, and there's a lot of reasons for that, 
But again, remember the problems of bringing in another investor, of liquidating an S-corporation, triggering those gains. I mean, there are, there are still those issues that I really don't like an S-corp for that reason. Or getting a step up in basis on the mm-hmm. on all the – I don't actually get a step up in basis on the assets, right? It's just the stock. So um, an S-corp, it almost encourages you to totally get out of an S-corp situation. Uh, if, I, if I try to gradually sell assets on a piecemeal basis or, or sell my stock on a gradual basis – it's not great from a tax perspective. So it's easy to get into an S-Corp. You're generally not going to get taxed incorporating, you know, going into an S-Corp. Um, but going out, it's a lot tougher. So just as a reminder, that $200,000 situation where you put up 200000 and I put up 200000 if we form this S-Corp, we want to keep it simple. But then, you know, a few years later, we say, or maybe one year later, we say, hey, you know, we're just not getting along. we got to break up, you know. There's going to be gain generated just by redistributing the assets back out to you. So you take the tractor that you put in, I take my tractor. There's going to be a gain generated of two hundred thousand dollars, you know, and you got no cash to pay the tax. So versus a partnership, remember, if I did that same thing, you would just take your tractor back and you'd have no basis in it. I'd get my tractor back. So that's the that's the concern. Is it's easy to get into on an S corp. But when you when you when you want to get out or break up, it, it's going to probably trigger a tax if there's appreciation on the asset inside. So, so what, what kind of how would it work if the two of us had a partnership, an S corp partnership, and we we want to bring an investor in? Yeah. Do we have to break up the S corp to bring make another partnership, or how does that work? You're you're so on point on this case. There are ways, and it's called a drop down transaction. This is pretty common. Um, Basically, as the, the S corp would probably, this gets complicated, but we would actually probably just go ahead and contribute the assets of the S corp into an LLC mm-hmm. that's owned 100% by the S corp, right? right? So it's like a subsidiary of the S corp. So we own 50 50 of the S corp, but there's an LLC now, and the S corp owns the LLC, right? So it's like a tiered structure, okay? Gotcha. So that doesn't, there's no tax consequences of doing that. It's, it's a disregarded entity. But what happens is that outside investor would come in and buy a percentage of the LLC. Ah, okay. They yep. would not be buying into the S-Corp because the S-Corp is kind of a bad entity. Mm-hmm. They buy into the LLC. That's treated as if you kind of sold assets. And so, you know, we would we would get some gain on that because, because they you know, an investor came in if, if they bought some of our units. or There's some other ways to do it. But the bottom line is you create an LLC below the S-Corp and have the investor buy into the LLC. This is actually very common, Casey. With private equity groups, it's almost like a, a no-brainer to do this. Um, there's a, there's other rules around it, but it's called a drop-down transaction. Cool. Okay. So, yep. All right. So next time I'm on Shark Shark Tank and they want to get in for twenty percent, I know I know how to handle it now. Yeah, I don't know what I, I don't know what those entities are, but I'm pretty sure it's almost a guarantee that none of those are S corps. They're almost all, you know, partnership type entities. But they don't they don't those questions usually don't come up on Shark Tank, do they? About what no. type of entity it is? No, nah, I don't really hear much about that. Yeah, but it's it's really important. So right yep. on, man. Well, Glenn, great information as usual. Um, the folks want to learn more about their entity and the structure of their business, and, and what's the best way to to uh, structure that for tax reasons. How would they do that? You can call our office number here at Heinel Bandworks. It's 309-694-4251. We got our website www.hbcpas.com, and you can always look me up on Twitter at, at Glenn Birnbaum. All right, Glenn. Hey, good information like always. Like I said, man, it's always I learn something new every every week about my my tax situation. So, uh, till next week, man. Have a good week, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Okay, Casey. Thank you. All right, thanks, Glenn. 
Yeah. 